Hey, I want to invite you guys, if you've been listening to this podcast and enjoying this content and are passionate about protection, you should know that we have an entire library of all of the protector symposiums that we've ever done uh, hosted at protectornation.com. You can go there and you can download those and you can watch every protector symposium we've had to date there online and you can learn protection tactics from the most, some of the most elite trainers in the world from the comfort of your own home. I think you'll be surprised about how much content we actually have there. Uh, It's very, very, very reasonably priced and you can upgrade your protection skills. Remember, protection is not all about the hard skills. 90% of it is all about the software, the programming, the way you see and move in the world to achieve a safer pattern of life. With that having been said, go to protectornation.com, join us there, and learn from the best of the best. Now, enjoy the show. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another awesome podcast, uh, the Protector Podcast. I'm here with an honored guest. Honestly, probably one of one of the most enjoyable books I've read or listened to recently. I've got Varg Freeborn here of Violence of Mind, man. How are you doing today, sir? Good, good, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, 100%. Um, straight out the gate, man. Uh, so with my background in the Marine Corps, um, infantry, you know, there wasn't much pretty about my career. It was just kind of like we went through our basic training. We went through SOI. We went to combat. And we learned a lot of stuff in basic and a lot of stuff in SOI. And then when we got to combat, my big brothers had just got back from the Battle of Fallujah. And so, you know, you go through, you know, all this training and you get to the fleet and you think you know something. And uh, when I got with those guys, it was like getting punched in the face with reality, you know, and uh, they were like, forget all that crap you learned, forget all that crap you were doing on the range, forget everything this is the reality of modern warfare. You're going to die if you do those things. And when I was reading your book, <laughs> I, that same fragrance of reality that I feel like the tactical community and good people who just don't have experience with the dark side of life, I started to really pick a lot of that up. And there were even for me some reality checks in that. So I just want to say, you guys haven't gotten to read or listen to Violence of Mine. It's an amazing book, an amazing reality check. It's real. Um, I want to say thanks, man. That was that was pretty awesome. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, so one of the main things we always kick off kind of uh, the podcast with is the question of who are you, man? Who are you at your core? Who's the man behind the work? Um, and then we'll get into the work. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, right now I'm pretty low key. Uh, I do, I do still participate in training very heavily and I train myself every day. Um, and I work with people primarily on a one-on-one basis now, but, you know, having done so many years in the, in the community and doing the traveling training and, and working for close to a dozen years professionally, you know, I learned a lot of things about who I am and who I'm not um, mm. during that process as well. But 
you know, basically my background uh, that a lot of people already know, but I'll, I'll gloss over it real quick again. You know, I came up in a very rough environment, a very rough family. Born to a single teenage mom, grew up in a dope house. Yep. Um, you know, there's a lot of violence, a lot of a lot of drugs, a lot of alcoholism, um, a lot of extreme violence. You know, and, and a lot of my family members ended up being murdered, uh, things like that. So, and my you know friends, when one of my my one of my best friends when we were kids got murdered and thrown in a lake. Um, you know, so this was pretty common. It was a pretty common experience to to have lethal level violence touch your life at that mm-hmm. time. Uh, and that was, you know, from a small child growing up. By the time I was uh, 18, I got involved in an altercation with uh, one particular individual who outweighed me by 100 pounds, had a couple buddies with him. We had a little bit of a history of, of conflict where he had been, you know, harassing me and, and following me around. And basically it came to a head one night and, uh, there were, uh, it was a situation where it looked like I was going to be dragged out of, out of back door and put into a car at about two in the morning. So, and as I said, back then people were coming up dead. So that, that wasn't something mm-hmm. that you, you, you would take lightly, you know? Right. And, uh, so I ended up stabbing that individual uh, a few dozen times and I got, convicted for that and at 19 uh, as still a teenager I went to adult penitentiary and um I did 5 years in there and so that was obviously a very transformative experience um I can't say that I can't say it's the worst experience I had I think I got a uh my first wife probably tops that but uh, <laughs> That's not an exaggeration, but uh, you know, I think there's some guys out there that feel you, man. Yeah, 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 you know. But uh, you know, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a terrible, terrible. I mean, it's a terrible experience. It's a terrible place. It's the worst place that you can be, you know. Obviously, um, but depending on who you are determines how bad that experience actually is. There are people that go there that have tremendously bad experience or like they don't come back from it you know and that definitely did not happen for me so it was a it was a learning ground it was a training camp for me um and uh there was a lot of there was there were a lot of really good things that came out of that um and then once i got out of that and i you know decided during that time that i wanted to leave that life behind because i'd been in that life up until 24 years old. So mm-hmm. I wanted to leave that life behind. I'd already pushed my luck in every single way. I had done everything that I had thought would prove who I was. And there was no need for redundancy at that point. I would just be pushing right. my luck. It only ends up in one of two ways. You're in prison or you're dead. Right. You know, we used to, we used to have a, a saying in prison. There was a, there was a cemetery up on the hill. You could see it from the windows. And uh, that was where a lot of, you know, there was a lot of people that would die in prison that don't have any family, don't have anywhere. They just throw them up on this hill, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would uh, we would always say somebody started talking tough and shit, you know, that all the badasses are up there on Boot Hill, man. You know, and in other words, like it, you can be the baddest motherfucker on earth, but it's only going to end in one way. If you maintain that, if you maintain that path, it's going to end in one way because it's there's an expiration date for everybody. So, um, 
you know, so I wanted to get out. And uh, when I did, I tried to deny my past and hide it. Mm. Tried to live a normal life, you know, and <laughs> that, it, that ended fucking catastrophic. Yeah. Not recommended. Um, you know, so eventually I, I owned my past and uh, I started training. I was fighting my case still, even after I got out. Mm. I was able to secure somewhat of a big win where they exactly. didn't reverse my case. They didn't take away the felony. I'm still very much a felon. There's no expungement. There's no removal of the charge. You know, I am definitely still a felon, but I'm a felon with a gun now because That's awesome. they gave me my, they, they struck a deal with me and gave me all of my rights back. So I was able to uh, vote, sit on a jury, hold a public office and own and possess firearms as allowed by state and federal law. Heck yeah. So, so I could walk in and pass a Nick's check and all that kind of stuff. I got a pin yeah. number from the feds and, you know, so uh, that took me to the training business because in the process of getting my gun rights back, I realized how vast at this time the training business was. Now, this was coming into, um, and I know that some of the, the people that have been around a while will, will get this reference, but this was coming into the, the Corey and Erica era, as I call it. Uh, when the tactical training was, uh, it, it was it was pretty pretty, it was pretty bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It was you were around fifteen years ago. Like it, it was, it, you would go to a pistol class, and dudes would be wearing plate carriers and chest rigs and mm -hmm. pistols, you know, and they'd show up in full kit, and um, and it would be a pistol class, you know, a concealed mm -hmm. carry pistol class or something, you know, so. We've come a long way since then, man. Uh, but mm. I seen what was going on back then, and I seen a big gap in the in the industry in the training world in terms of like because I it dawned on me one day that I'm like, wait a second, I've got a tremendous amount of fucking experience here. Mm -hmm. and this is not how this works, right? Like, it, the, mm -hmm. look at a scenario that somebody's talking about, and I could think like, well the seven times I was in that situation. And, <laughs> right. So, so I wanted to start bringing a little bit of common sense and, uh, and, and bring a different narrative, you know, into the, into the story, into the picture. Mm -hmm. And that's how the, the training uh, got started. But, you know, I had worked as a personal trainer and a barbell coach for many years before that, you know, so okay. I had the coaching thing already in my blood there. But, um, yeah, so I started training more and more intensely and, uh, and then getting involved. And then I got picked up by the law enforcement community. Um, the, what, what used to be a really awesome place. I'm not, I don't, I'm out of touch with it now, but Alliance police training facility, uh, I lived close to there and they picked me up and I had went to a couple of different schools. I went to a school in Southern Ohio and SWAT school and, you know, so I'd been picked up by a couple of law enforcement guys that started training me up because they, I think they seen the value in what I knew yeah. and thought, well, if we can get you on board with our mission, then you could help us out a lot. And I didn't have a problem with that at the time. So, um, and then I went through, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours at, uh, of CQB at Alliance Shoot House. I certified all the way up to a full team instructor okay. with, the, with, the, with the PD facility there. Um, 
although I don't, I don't and would never teach full team. Um, it was, it was a, I was on a mission to learn their mission. You understand? Right. So that was, that was part of that gathering. And I got to take a lot of cool, like closed enrollment, LE only class. Like I was, and it was such a fucking just mind trip to be a felon, an ex-con. Yeah. Riding in a, a SWAT van with live ammo. Yeah. You know, and rolling up to a house in the hood and going in and shotgunning the doors off of it and the, yeah, all the yeah. fucking people are out watching, seeing who's getting hit. And it's just a training exercise. But, right. it, you know, so that stuff was surreal. Man. Um, you know, but but the point being is that, you know, I ended up getting trained up pretty well and on that end of it and uh, becoming really tuned in with the law enforcement mission and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that was truly my my inspiration was to just fill the gap of knowledge that I've seen because you had a lot of guys that, and there's nothing against, you know, military and law enforcement. They bring a lot to the table in civilian training. There's, you know, there's a lot of good information there, but there's, you know, there's a big, but there, and that's, you know, the difference between institutional backgrounds and, you know, non-institutional life, right? So institutional being, you know, an agency, military, you know, you, you've got taxpayer support, you've got teams, you've got, you know, superior firepower, superior support, superior logistics. Um, in, in most cases, that's that's how that is set up. And when you're a, a single person in the parking lot at, Wawa, freaking seven. Have you don't have that? So so, uh, and there's also some there's also some controversy, you know, that needs to be dealt with in the CQB arena between the difference between institutional approaches to that and team based approaches to that, and then dealing with you know, um, single civilians or couples or single solo patrol officers that roll up to an alarm call or something have to go in by themselves. Like is it the, the institutional, the institutional team-based work doesn't, you know, there, there's, there's some shortcomings there, you know? So, yeah, man. Um, and it was across the board too, because there's, you know, there's a lot of things about dealing with criminal violence that uh, is missed by people who haven't really been immersed in the criminal world. You know, yeah. so, so I just wanted to address those things and, and come in and share that message and then, you know, uh, do some good there. And, you know, and then I would decide what I was going to do next after that. Right. Like, cause I don't, uh, I I'm that way with everything. I don't, I, I never was this guy. I was like, I'm going to become a farmer and die, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, All right. like it's, you know, some people have the simplest life plan and I kind of envy it, but it's just yeah. not me. You know? So, oh, man. Uh, but that's yeah. It was just to fill a gap and get in and get out um, as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that. No, that's awesome, man. I really appreciate you hit on so many good things, like just awesome things that people need to hear, man. I think there's such a huge place, like for that civilian centric knowledge. Like you said something in your book, you're like, dude, you know, these SWAT teams are rolling up in bear cats and full kit and freaking, you know, eight to twelve man teams and all this stuff. 
to deal with a civilian, you know, and the mission is different, you know, like the mission of, you know, someone's wife that's got to go get groceries is getting stopped in a grocery store or that 7-Eleven that you're in when someone decides to hit it. It's just a different, the most probable mission for a civilian is, is different, you know, no, nah, man, I think those things are awesome and they need to be noted, man. Um, because that's the civilian mission, the civilian violence, the, person that you're going to be facing on the street is more than likely going to have the background you have. There's also something else I wanted to say that, that I think is worth saying too, is, you know, for the felons out there, man, like I kind of see you as an inspiration. Like I've met a lot of good dudes that have done some things that were just dudes that grew up a little bit differently than I did. Like I just kind of like got into the Marine Corps before I went and did something that could have got me somewhere else, you know? Uh, it's difficult being a man in this world, like being a masculine dude in this world, man. Like I was one swing away or one freaking backyard fight away from all the same things. And so to see that you're able to, that you were able to change your situation and, and kind of impact your destiny by making some solid contributions. I think that should be an in inspiration to guys that maybe want to do something good that they can still do something good, man. You know, what would you say about that? You know, that's, that's really become more of my concern as times went on is those types of people, uh, that have had a very hard time with life and yeah. have made some choices that's given them some, some difficulties. Uh, that's, that's becoming more of my focus now. And I think yeah. as I'm moving into another phase of my life, uh, I'm, I'm doing more work. My, my third book is more focused on that actually. Uh, yeah. And I, I want to really help people who were in a similar situation or or had similar problems because it can't be dealt with. It, it cannot be dealt with in depth from an academic or institutional level. Again, uh, mm -hmm. it's 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 another one of those things. So when I see team based institutional CQB dealing with civilian problems, I see the same thing when I see an academic who had like this this really mundane life with no trouble trying right. to tell somebody who has either been through prison or been through extreme violence or, or been through war, tell them how they should think or feel about shit. You have no, <laughs> you have no frame of reference whatsoever for what you're talking about. Right. Like, right. so um, in your textbooks, don't cut it. They don't, they don't get it, you know? So, 100%. so that's another, that's another area I think is I'm more concerned with that. And I, one of the things that I disliked about the the tactical community and the training mm -hmm. community is the uh, the privileged training junkie mm -hmm. is a, is a real character in that in that business, and they keep that business afloat. Yeah, and you meet I you meet the guy that's been to you know I've got nine hundred hours of training and you know I've trained with every operator and every and that's cool. I mean that's cool, right? But there's a whole segment of people out there that really just want to get, you know, they're, they're, they're worried about their family. They're worried about their safety. They just want to get better. They just mm -hmm. want to feel more secure. They have very genuine intentions, very genuine drive to, right. to do this for a very specific problem to solve the, their problem. Whereas right. there's this other, you know, and my focus again is, 
more on, I never wanted the training junkies coming to my class. I, I did. And that's really how you get successful in the tactical training communities. Right. you got to catch that. you got to capture that crowd. And then you get cool with this guy who's an instructor and this guy, and then you guys just pass groupies around. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the economic model basically. So there's a lot of ego in that, that training junkie, when they show up and they're freaking snap popping all their yeah. stuff, and they got the coolest new clips and stuff. And you, you yeah. know, it's like, God bless you, man. You know, but. It, it, and honestly, the most disrespectful people I've ever had in my class have been those types of dudes that, that would come in and, you know, and, um, and, and there's been a few times where like the last, the last CQB class I ran, mm -hmm. um, it was very difficult for me to get through it without having a, a violent, you know, reaction. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it for me like that, you know, and, and I, what will I do classes again? Probably, but mm -hmm. on a very small scale and it's not going to be something where I'm depending on it for income. So I can be very selective about who I bring in because i don't give a shit about your money right um, that's, that's that. the position that i'm in now with training mm -hmm. and that's how i like it i like that i don't have to train every fucker who comes through the door yeah so uh so that's cool now but as i get older it's become harder for me to um be diplomatic about things mm -hmm. yeah uh, <laughs> there's like a reversion back to you know like I, I spent all this time hostile as a young man and then i chilled out and now I'm becoming hostile again. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Got, you know, it's a, the get off my lawn guys. Really, right? <laughs> it is, man. Cause you see what matters and what doesn't matter, you know, and you don't yeah, want to yeah. deal with the whole, like try to outsmart the instructor guy while you're trying to genuinely give people information that can save their life. Yeah, yeah. So, so in that, in that vein, to answer the question, dude, like I'm more concerned about the people who, are in the disadvantaged position and are just trying to gain some advantage. Right. And that could be because they had a bad life or because they just don't have any experience with violence, whatever it is. Those are the people that I'm genuinely concerned with. Thank you. Yeah. No, I love that, man. And you said something that was really worth noting. Um, and honestly, man, I mean, I, I can learn something from everyone, but I find that guys that do have some type of experience downrange have a little more conviction sometimes in what they're training because they they have been sh shot or stabbed or blown up or saw their friends die and they're bringing with them uh real world just that that thing you know and and in training i feel like there's a conflict of interest a little bit because it's like you need to get that good yelp review if you're gonna if this is what you're doing for your income you almost need to make sure they get a good little feel good as they as they leave and so when you find yourself, especially you guys as students, you know, and you're out of school and this is like, you know, their primary function, just make sure they make sure you learn something. <laughs> it's not just a, a fun fest or a massage the trigger time, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of training out there that'll make you feel good. But when you get out in the real world, you need to make sure that you actually get something from that because it's almost like a conflict of interest. It's like they... They need to make money. They need you to come back and talk good. So some of them will go soft on you. I see that a lot out there in the game. So just some considerations there. What would you say about hard skills versus soft skills when it comes to survival and violence and being a protector? Classic. So, so let me let me illustrate that by talking about prison a little Heck bit. Heck yeah. Um, now, prison is one of the most hostile environments you could ever find yourself in. And, and it, it doesn't matter if you're in 
an extremely bad West Coast prison or if you're in, you know, a medium security East Coast prison, they're all dangerous and they're all they're all predatory environments. Right. There's mm -hmm. there's predation going on the entire fucking time, every <laughs> second of the day. And you you have to imagine seven. lights on <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the lights never go off, man. Like you have to imagine living under fluorescent lighting with with human predators 24 hours a day and everybody is all someone is always trying to get an edge or an advantage or leverage over someone else and, and it's never stops and your brain is on this your brain is on this fucking constant on you know uh in the cortisol and the the adrenals like everything is by the time you're done with five six years of that shit your your body is toast like your, your your ability to regulate stress normally is fucking gone you know so um it's all psychological at that point. But right. my point is, is that, you know, prison is a, a lot of people think it's like, you know, stabbing and rape and all this stuff. And that stuff is real and it is there, right? Mm -hmm. You will see it, you know, hopefully not experience it, but you will mm -hmm. see people experience it. And that doesn't, but that doesn't paint a real picture of what it's like. What it's really like is these long, drawn out periods of of psychological torture that is interspersed with these like little moments of like peak experience violence right wow and, and excitement and, wow. and you you almost look forward to the violence because it breaks the monotony of psychological torture yeah like it's it's like please can we have a fucking riot or something like <laughs> <laughs> shit out you know that's gnarly um, man but it's it's really this and, and during those long periods of psychological torture you've got a hierarchy of tormentors that basically is taking place and the prison guards are at the top mm. i have you know the prison guards can be extremely cruel human beings wow uh, and there are some very piece of shit people that are prison guards. Wow. And they are they are no different than the people they are guarding. No different whatsoever. They're in there because they fucking belong in there. They ended up in there in a different way, but they yeah. are definitely where they belong. Wow. Um, They've assimilated to the energy of the environment. Like they're just Yeah, they're the just you're, thing. they're they're that type of person, you know. And so they they get off on on cruelty, on on wielding their authority in in such a cruel way and when you have authority to strip a man naked make him bend over and and spread his butt cheeks and lift his nutsack and get on the floor and crawl naked and do all this shit like that's an that's a tremendous amount of power over another fucking human being man and yeah. and, and people nightmare. can't handle it. they can't handle that and they get they get crazy especially when they let women be guards in men's prisons fucking uh outrageous man i don't even know how that ever happened that shouldn't ever happen in the first place it's it's a it's it's one of the fucking marvels of humanity to tell you the truth but right. so on top of that then you have to deal with the um the other inmates and the predators and the hierarchy and the gangs and all this stuff and so you're constantly managing this social situation that is fucking just it's like a it's like uh 
it's like a rubber band that's pulled as tight as it can go. And at any second it could break and you're, and you know, it's going to hurt when it breaks. And it's like part of it's aimed at your face and that's your life every day. You're yeah. living with that, you know, and uh, it's going to break and it could poke my eye out. Right. Like that's the kind of stress. And so what can you imagine is more important at that point for those long periods of time where you're dealing with this torment and this different levels of predation is different things coming at you in different angles. Do you think it's hard skills or soft skills? Oh, it's for sure. Soft skills. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Like you have to be able to, you have to be able to negotiate these situations and negotiate these social interactions. You have to be able to read the environment, read the hierarchy, read when there's something happening, right? There's days, bro, when you wake up and you just like wake up and you're like, Oh, the air feels different today. Like today's the day. Like the air feels different today. And then you look around and people obviously have the same feeling because people are acting a little bit weird. Weird. They're like yeah. kind of lurking and waiting for yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. When you know <laughs> motherfucker gets stabbed that day, right? You're like, <laughs> yeah. 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 damn, you know, that's when you know you're tuned in, right? You're yeah, you're on the frequency, in. man. Um, and there's explanations for that because what what probably happened and this is kind of my theory of it but mm-hmm. is somebody planned to do a hit yep and somebody knew somebody was going to do the hit and then it trickles out and as it gets farther away from the source the details go away so 10 people down the line they might not know who's getting hit but they know somebody's getting hit right yeah and so Actually, there's just enough information goes out into the space that it creates a vibe and then the yep. vibe is continuous, right? And that's the same thing that happens in, a, in an environment. Like if you go to, yep. you know, you're in a club or yep. you're in a bar, mm-hmm. some shit's going down in the corner and you haven't seen the shit yet, but you see people move in a weird way. Yeah. Act, you know, you say, okay, there's a vibe happening here. What's mm-hmm. what's what's <laughs> going on in my environment, right? So it's the same type, that's soft skills. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just talking to people. It's not just doing that. Um, The, you know, and and so the problem with what's taught in in terms of soft skills in the tactical community, I I disagree with a a good amount of it. Mm. I disagree with a good amount of what's super popular out there. And some of the most, you know, popular guys in, in, are teaching some things that I'm like, I, I just, I disagree, man. And yeah. I mean, what do you yeah. what are, what are you disagreeing with? We don't have to say names, but well, so there's some instances where people are taught to to get really aggressive with with uh, with an unknown person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I have went and ran this because I I still out I, I I'm still out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in Daytona. Uh, Daytona's Daytona's not a a, it's a beautiful place in the tourist area, but the rest of the city's pretty. It, it's no. pretty down. You know, it's got an underbelly for sure. Yeah, and that's where <laughs> I hang out is in, is in the underbelly of the city for most of the time. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I I ride a bike. I'm, I go. I, I hang out at biker bars. Like I'm, you know, I'm in I'm in situations where people are are volatile sometimes, and you know, mm-hmm. shit happens. But, you know, um, and it feels like home, <laughs> you know, because you always know you got to get a little bit of your, you know. It's, it's a, it's a, I'm comfortable there. That's, that's, you know, that's where I like to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, there's times to get loud and I'll give an example. Last week I was, I I walked into a bar. 
I was going to um, meet some friends and I walked into the bar and there's two guys about to get into a fight and they're motherfucking each other and they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're about to fight. And this little blonde bartender, <laughs> she got, she pulled out this like, like junior size ball bat or something. Okay. She okay. Fucking slammed it on the bar. And she was like, hey. get the fuck out of here. You motherfuckers. You know, <laughs> With authority, yeah, she was, yeah, like she. I was like, she's oh. hit somebody with that bat before, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. But that was appropriate in that situation because those guys calmed down and were like, "Oh, okay, we pissed the lady off now," you know. And they they were just drunk guys, like being dickheads, and you know, right. they really didn't want to fight, you know. And then they they left, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't. Like they walk out to the cars together, didn't fight. So you know, yeah, 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 yeah. They were, they were, they were just posturing. But it's funny because there's a lot of things she did right. You know, she came in. She probably came in, interrupted the cycle. She's obviously she's got some authority there. Maybe it's her place. She's kind of a non-combatant. You know, she kind of spoke their language. Maybe you know what I mean? Like okay, yeah, yeah. the bar, like. And plus, she's kind of you know for she's respected too. You you mess with her, yeah. you might get you might get jumped. Yeah, yeah. Normal circumstances, <laughs> bartenders off limits, right? You right. can't fuck the bartender, right? So, so that you know, she's within some social norms there. That's you know that that she worked well within, and that's mm-hmm. my point is that if if you're in a parking lot somewhere or you're out somewhere and somebody comes up to you and starts to kind of harass you a little bit, or or you know is ex- th- what I call is exploiting social courtesy. So your social courtesy is to be polite and be, you know, not like as soon as someone gets close, you be like, stop, get back, you know, like acting fucking weird, you right. know, like your social courtesy is to be like, you know, Hey, what do you, what do you need? Like, you know, what's, yeah. what, you know, what's up? you, you want to be a personable person and like not be a, a dick to people. And so that's social courtesy and they'll exploit that because they'll use that to get in close to you and stuff like that. Right. The big, it's a huge thing in the community about not letting people get close to you, which on a surface is good advice, but it it's also impractical. So right? if you're out there, if you're out there doing stuff now, if you just stay in your little tiny bubble and you just like walk with your wife and kids and, or nobody else, and you're not out there mixing it up, then you can probably get away with that kind of thing. But it's impractical if you're out there mixing it up, you know, and you're, you're in it. You're, you're yeah. going to see bands. You're going to do things. You're living your oh, life. Gosh. You're going to run into people, you know, and you can't, you, you cannot tell me that if you are the first person to violently raise your voice in that, in that interaction, yeah. Yeah. you're yeah. not the one escalating the, the situation. It's, it's absolutely an escalation. And I'm telling you right now that if you go to some of the places I go and somebody's talking to you and you don't want them to talk to you. And you fucking raise your voice that you're gonna get flattened. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna eat shit right there, you know. Well, and so you run into their social code. Like, are they gonna allow themselves to be yelled at? Are they gonna allow themselves to exactly. loudly be punked out? In like, and now they're looking at you like, am I gonna let you punk me out? Like, there's all these different exactly. codes that are running through their head, and now you're just trying to get to your car, and maybe you escalated the situation. It does. I mean, even- you yelled at me like that, bro. Yeah, like, right. I might lose my shit, right? Yeah, like, right. I'm, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm uh, telling you, because that's how I feel, motherfucker. You yelled yeah. at me in a parking lot, motherfucker. We're fighting. Yeah, you yeah. Know? 
in in most cases, dude, that's just not a good fucking strategy to use with a really violent person. Right. Um, you know, and and so that's not a soft skill, you know, throwing your hands up because on the street, and this is my point, on the street, you know, if you start doing this and you start like, you know, hey, hey, back up, you know, what you're doing is you're signaling fear. You mm-hmm. you feel that person in your in your space and you're letting them know. Hey, you're a threat to me. If you get in my space, I'm I'm afraid of what you're gonna do. You're 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 ceding authority to them. Yes, you are. And a lot of people don't like to hear that. But I'm telling you right now, if I'm if I if I'm having a confrontation with somebody and I roll up on somebody, you know, and and they start to you're backing up and push, you know, I'm I I know that person doesn't want me close to them. Right. It's probably because they're you know they perceive me to be a threat. Um. Now you could say, yeah, but I'm the real threat. Okay. All right. Maybe. Maybe. I, I'm picking that know. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of chance in combat, man. You just, yeah, you, can don't, hey, you might think so. <laughs> you, you're not conveying it. Right? <laughs> you know, and, and, and like I had, I had to manage a really difficult situation once with a drunk. I had my daughters with me. Oh, man. And I'm I'm in St. Augustine, Florida, which is like a, a tourist city. It's like the oldest city in America. And they got this like little walk area. There's all these little shops and stuff. It's kind of a cool place. They've got a little bit of a homeless problem that mm-hmm. they need to get. So anyway, I'm at this, I'm at this in the line for this pizza place. And, um, you know, the line's all the way out the door on the sidewalk. It's getting kind of dark. It's late, you know, and uh, there's tons and tons of people around. It's like a tourist place. Yeah. Imagine like. Fucking people everywhere. Right? It's not isolated at all. And we're this long line. There's probably 30 people in this line. And of all the fucking people in this line, this dude picks me to come up to, you know? Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, what? You, your radar is fucking bad. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. like so. So I've got my two daughters and they're in front of me. And this dude comes up to me. He starts talking crazy. He's like, he, and this was a, a guy probably in his early 30s. And he was still okay. athletic looking. So he wasn't, okay. you know, it wasn't like he was like a broken up old bum. Yeah. This guy, you know, this guy would have given the average person maybe a little oh, bit of trouble. So he rolls up on me and he starts telling me he's, he, he bought that whole place for a billion dollars and he used to work for the FBI. He's crazy talk, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's doing a schizophrenic thing. And then the CIA yeah. all the thing. <laughs> I know, I know I'm dealing with an unstable person, right? Like for sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he gets he gets relatively close to me, and eventually I told him I said, "Hey man, you need to go find somewhere else to go." You know, I, I'm I'm busy right now, and he's like, "Oh no, no." And I said, "I said really, you need to back up and go find somewhere else to go." And you know what he looked at me and he said, hmm. "He he looked at me and said, you're afraid of me, aren't you?'" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, okay, I'm conveying the wrong fucking message." Message, yeah. <laughs> Now you have to do it quick. Yeah. Yeah. And I got I got right up in his shit, man. Right. And I let him know I'm I'm so comfortable with you in my space, bro. Like you don't even understand how comfortable I am right now. Right. You know what I mean? Like actually you're taking me into a mental area. I'll be happy to have you in my space. Right, right, right. That I've been trying to hold back. For you. <laughs> yes. Like you're, you're within seconds of this. Now the clock is so fucking ticking down. Yeah. You know? and, and so 
I, I changed my whole demeanor and I started right. to really let it be known. Like, okay, look, you know, uh, there's a, there's a side of me that's done terrible things to human mm -hmm. bodies and yeah. I can add you to the fucking list. Right. You know, um, right. and I don't care because it doesn't matter who's here. I'll, I will put you to sleep so fucking fast, mm -hmm. you know? And I've already written the police report. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't even know so, I'm, like I'm, I'm already behind this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as soon as I changed my demeanor that way, that dude checked his shit up, you know, and he, and he, so I was trying to be courteous in the beginning and be like, right. now had I turned around and said, back up, you know, like, I'm sure that would have went sideways and Absolutely. I would have not, I would have not had the opportunity to do a preemptive, uh, a preemptive move on my part. Had I escalated like that, right. I would have, I would have thrown my card on the table and then he would have responded. I would have had to react to his response right. rather than he controlling the situation the whole time and not, not pushing him into a response. I, I took the initiative of responding and controlling the situation. And my point is, is if you don't, employ soft skills that way and sometimes you have to get hard sometimes you have to be soft sometimes right. you need to be you know diplomatic and sometimes you need to be tyrannical yep but it's not one fucking there's no there is no circumstance in the universe that i would bring anybody into a training situation and teach them that if this happens this is the response you should use that's mcdojo shit bro that's right. what Kimpo teachers used to teach people you right. Know, taekwondo, right. You it, when he does this, you do that. Right. right. And it, bro, this shit is chaos. Violence and, and, and social interaction. It's all chaos, man. Right. And you have to, you have to develop the skills to intuitively discern where at in the chaos we are and, right. and be able to operate within that. Right. Comfortable. And um, that's, that's the thing with soft skills that I, that I want to drive home is that, these automatic responses, you know, it's going to get somebody fucked up, man. Like you gotta, yeah. you have to be more nuanced than that. You have to understand that sometimes, sometimes you need to get tough, mm -hmm. but, but, you know, screaming at people and shit like that. And, you know, that's well, not I, it, man. I think it needs to be like who you are too. Like, like if you, you can't fake being tough to someone who actually is, that's a dangerous thing. And so I, 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 that's kind of why I see like one of the slogans I kick all the time is being a protector is more than just a job. It's a lifestyle. Like if you don't really have experience with violence, like, you know, it's hard to pretend like you're going to bring that to bear when someone's looking you in the eyes that understands that world. But yeah, man, you said some awesome stuff, man. And I, and I do love also all the way back to when you were talking about that, when you wake up and there's just that vibe in the game. And I remember in Iraq, man, you you hit a patrol, you turn a corner and you look down the street and you're like, are we really about to go down this street? And all the kids are like not playing with their balls. And like, like it's just that vibe. Like you're like, we're gonna get hit, man, for sure. We're getting hit. And you just, it's just a frequency and you gotta be sensitive. You gotta be sensitive enough to pick that stuff up, man. Um, but uh, no, nah, man, what would you say? So as we look at, you know, kind of lifestyle, you know, cause I, I agree with you 100%. You know, like you have to be able to show your fangs. I personally think that the best type of like a good man understands that he has to be both. You know, like I am a warrior. I don't like violence necessarily, but I have to be good at it as long as 
the human spectrum of like the things that humans do require that as long as there's evil people, I have to be better at violence than them. But then, you know, this means you have to train, you have to have that beast inside of you. Um, what would you say to civilians, you know, or even professional protectors like cops, man, that were like boy scouts and then they became cops. How can a person integrate that level of like confidence? You know what I mean? To where, when they do look someone in the eyes, they do have something, you know, and, and it's not just like we're looking straight through them. That's, that's a really good question. And this is the age old question of, you know, can we install the switch in someone that doesn't have it yet? Right. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, and that's the thing I get, you know, used to get all the time in classes. Like I talk about, you know, the, you know, it, people come in and they're like, well, I'll flip the switch. How do I get the switch? Like, so listen, you First of all, understand the deficit you have you right? Know, and, and be realistic about the deficit you have. When you, when you're sitting there talking down about criminals and stuff, especially cops, I, I don't know how many times I've heard cops say, oh, civilians can't fight. No, bro. Mm. You just pick up drunk, stupid, drug addict motherfuckers that can't control themselves, can't control their own problems. They're smacking their old lady around. They're, they're, they're pitiful human it's beings. Human, Pitiful. That's that's your typical encounter, right? The guy, the guy that you that could have killed you is the guy you didn't catch. You pulled him over for a traffic stop. He had ten keys in the trunk. It never went that far. You let him go. You never had that confrontation. That's the motherfucker you don't know, right? right. So, so when you're dealing with people who have never had this type of experience in their life with violence and and violent people and things like that, but they want to be prepared to deal with it, um. The the best that you can do is, you know, obviously train, spar. Yes. And I, I don't mean just roll around on the, the floor grabbing each other's toes and your bare feet. I mean, get up and punch motherfuckers in the face. Get punched. Right. Get punched in the ribs. You yeah. Know, get hurt a little bit. Yeah. Be sore for a week from somebody hitting you too hard. Like, you know, get get in there and really get at it. Uh, go to force on force training. Use simunitions or UTMs. You know, and don't wear a fucking hoodie, a bunch of shit. Go in there in a t shirt, bro. Like, yeah. you know, take uh, feel it, feel what it feels like. Like, go in and 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 get into these confrontations. Get into good classes where people are setting up like realistic situations where you have to make decisions because that's the big part of fighting that 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 you don't get on the range. Right. Um, and don't. Don't emphasize just training with, you know, this guy because he was a SEAL or this guy was Delta, this and that. Because I'm going to tell you something that I learned in the in the industry. Yeah. What you're going to get nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, what you're going to get in that class is shooting fundamentals. They're going to shoot. They're going to give you shooting fundamentals. Which are important. But it's important, but you're not learning what you think you're going there to learn from the dude. He's not sharing that shit. And I'm going to tell you something else. That guy's but, um, probably. He's probably saving it for his closed enrollment LE and military classes, and he'll he'll teach them how to fight. Yep. He's going to teach shooting fundamentals, and 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 most of the classes I've been in and and have taken part in, that's what it was. It's all supervised yep. shooting, shooting fundamentals. Yeah. Uh, so you're not learning tactics, you're not learning how to fight, you're not learning orientation, you're not learning you know none of that shit from decision that. making and all that, man. Yeah, no, no, you're not getting any of that. So you need to get in places where you can start to learn about decision making and things like that. Now that doesn't make up the gap though. Right. It doesn't make up the gap. The uh, some other things you could do is start to study uh study the people that you would fear the most 
you know, so uh, there's endless interviews with killers on death row. There's endless interviews with gang members. There's so there's so much resources out there to get inside the mind of these people. Like it, it, they they share it willingly right. after they get to a certain point, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's so many opportunities to get inside that and understand your enemy. So so understanding your limitations and trying to fix those with training, understanding your enemy, and then you have to fix that deficit in your orientation, which is you know as we know that's where your decision making comes from it's your experiences your confidence your culture your value system yep. all those things right <clears throat> and you have to examine your value system you have to understand first of all the one of the big problems i've seen these people these type of people have is the value system typically of a boy scout is you know value all human life and uh, uh, be be of service and that kind of thing, right? So if you like really one of those, and things are off limits and be decent and stuff like that. Yes, exactly. If you're really one of those people, like you've been taught, violence is really like a bad part of life, and you know, being aggressive is not you know not the answer for most things. And so you you need to change your value system, and you need to understand that you know, like when somebody comes to me, the first thing I say is, are you prepared to? put human life on a selective sliding scale. You know, you, you have to be like, right. you have to be able to, you can't just think all life is precious and go into a uh, uh, lethal force self-defense training. Like you can't, you can't have those two things together. Right. Um, because at some point in time, you're going to have to make a decision. If, if a situation comes upon you where you will have to take actions that could likely end a human life. And you have to be okay with that, or you're going to have PTSD and you're going right. to have fucking moral <laughs> injury. You might not even be a, able to act. You might get killed. Right. But if you're able to act, you're going to have, you're going to suffer immensely. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so to avoid all of that, you have to fix your orientation. You have to fix your, you know, and one of the ways that I talk about people doing it, and I talk about this in my second book, Beyond Duda, is um, we all tell ourselves a story <laughs> about who we are we're all living a story like, and we live a story according to who we think we are and how we fit into and relate to the world around us. Mm. And you run up on someone else. You, we always tell ourselves a story about that person too. You Mm. start to try to put a story together. That's what we're always trying to do. Figure out what's this person's story. And oftentimes you're wrong. Like I know you yourself, how many times have you ever been in a social situation and somebody just completely judges you wrong? absolutely they get you you wrong right right so the tendency is probably to get it wrong for most people because they get it wrong about themselves because Mm -hmm. their story is not genuine and what i mean by that is you get you know i used to train a lot of cops and i used to be on the on the cadre at the ohio tactical Mm -hmm. officers association i'd show up there and Mm -hmm. have all these cops all week long and you know it's such a striking amount of guys that you know believe they are this dude that will respond this way right like i'll yep. do this i will do that i'll I'll pull my pistol i'll shoot that yep. guy before he gets me and then you're like you know well what's mm-hmm. your what's your draw time on target you know at at seven yards at 10 yards you yep. know what's your what's your you, know, you start getting these metrics you know uh, from the range of simple metrics you know this is and good they, man this is good have the metrics they don't. they don't even have the basic metrics to understand. Like, and so you're like, so you're going to do this thing under pressure that you don't even you don't even know that you can reliably do it on a sunny fucking day. Get them. No 
you know, so, so your story's not genuine, you know, so my advice is, is once you understand the deficit, once you start to learn the enemy and understand enemy, then you start to build your orientation through these experiences and you, your, your mission should be to make your story as genuine as possible. Meaning that the things you believe about yourself, you can prove under right. at least controlled circumstances. It doesn't still doesn't give you the full measure until right. the event happens. And you see how you act, but you can at least get as close to that as you can and make your story as genuine as possible. Yeah. And that's, that's the goal. That's the mission. The person has that wants to be in self-defense is, you know, make your story genuine by being able to do the things you think you can do. Cause right. every dude is born thinking, well, not today, but back <laughs> in my day, yeah. he born thinking he could work on cars, lift weights and fight. Right. right. Like, and he yeah, couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yo, but, you know, but that's, that's the point is to, you know, make your story genuine by, by, by actually doing the things that you, you know, that you say you're going to do. I love it, man. That that's amazing, man. Yeah, no, I always say confidence comes from experience. Uh, arrogance is inaccurate confidence. Confidence comes from experience with self. So like, I know how strong I am. I know how weak I am. I hit the weights this morning. I know you, you need to train enough to get that actual legit accurate confidence. And one of the things that you mentioned that I see a lot in the tactical community is that their egos get into the story. Like they one overestimate their capabilities and a lack of like a lack of experience with self and training and getting punched in the face and actually getting on time, like really, really propagates that. And then they want to dehumanize and they want to look down upon their enemy. And I think it's a protection strategy. Like, I think it's like a, I think it's, it's so they feel safer while doing the work or so they feel safer or it's an egocentric, all criminals are stupid, like you said. And it's so dangerous, man. Uh, you know, like I try to tell my guys, dude, anyone can kill you. Friggin' anyone can kill you. Like there's a lot of chance. I don't care how many times you, how many, what belt you are. You can get stabbed in the freaking ear with a pencil, okay, <laughs> by someone you didn't see if you are not moving through this world, understanding that anybody can kill you, man. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So the can we touch on the dehumanization thing? Yeah, hit it, man. So to me, dehumanization has two basically two functions that 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 can be had from that. One is essentially speaking to the the selective valuation of human life that I talked about, you yeah. have to be able to dehumanize someone enough to, to be okay with potentially taking their life as a result of you doing a legitimate function of defense. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, the ego part takes it to the other, the, 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 what I would call the negative function, which is to make yourself believe you're superior to this person in every way. Right. They can't fight. They can't do this. They can't do that. Like I'm, you know, and I see so much of that in, right. in the tactical training community. Um, and there, there used to be, and, and again, not going into any names and stuff, but there used to be a very strong push in the community to, you know, separate criminals from, from good people in terms of like, you're almost a different species. They're wolves and you're sheepdogs, um, which we know is that that's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And also too, um, they're not like you, they don't think like you, they don't, they don't, they, they're, they're, you can't, you know, and listen it's with us and them thing. Yeah. And you're pushing this narrative. Like I I've walked on both sides of the fence. So I guess that's why I, I 
don't think like that because I'm like, wait a minute, I'm just like that. If if a dude walks into a place with bad intentions, there's two motherfuckers with bad intentions in that room. I can guarantee you that. Right, it's right. Where we're directing them, I'm directing mine towards him. But exactly. I have every bit of the anger and hostility and and pure <laughs> violence in my heart that that motherfucker has. Right, right. I've got access to every bit of the tools that he has because we're both human beings. We're the same species. Right. We have the same. He and I also understand, which is why I, I push really hard in my force on force classes for people to be in the bad guy role. I yep. hire op players. I let them, you know, because I want you to understand when you come into a room to do bad things, you have problems you have to solve. You oh. you have challenges. You have um, you have also a planning cycle. You got to execute. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you've got you've got to account for other people's actions. You have to account for the chaos and the unpredictability of the situation. You got to worry about your own confidence, you know, because every one of them like people look at these people like they're like they're super confident. and They've got everything figured out when they come in the room. And bro, that's not right. true. Right. Like they've got problems to solve just like you do. You're both in a fight. You're both in a situation that requires strategy and tactics and, and decision making. And there's going to be external problems like what's going on in the environment what are other people doing and there's internal problems about fear confidence all those things everybody faces that right, right. now we're speaking outside of pure mental illness of course right because that's a different <laughs> yeah they're on a whole new level but just an average functioning violent person is going to have the same exact problems that that you that you have and right. knowing that allows you to you know, intuitively start to identify those and exploit right. those problems that they make their problems hard, bigger, make them yep. worse. Right. Um, and that's by understanding that you're the same, you, you face the same issues or the same problems in a fight. Yep. He's got to do damage and not take damage. You got to do damage, not take damage. You got to account for the environment and account for the changing circumstances around you. Like the landscapes changing all of this stuff is everybody's problem. It's no yep. different for him than it is for you. And so understanding that, you know, dehumanize somebody in the sense that you're willing to take their life because their life now is worth less than the people around them because they're trying to harm everybody. That's fine. Dehumanizing to the point to where your ego is involved and you're like, eh, he can't fight me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm you superior know. and I'm just going to win like in a movie. <laughs> Happy yeah, endings, you know? <laughs> fucked, man. And, and there's so many people, an example would be, you know, I, there, you know, I can think of people in particular too, man, of just that are so bad with it, dude, that they'll go on social media. And if anybody mentions anything about experience, they'll come on and post their entire fucking resume in a comment. Uh, no. 800 hours of training here and a thousand of training here. And I did this. And, you know, it's like, it's like, bro, you're the one you're going to, your ego is going to get you killed. Man. Yeah. That's your problem, bro. hundred percent. Cause you're not, I think the real, real warriors know, man, Combat is expensive. Like every warrior culture from since the beginning of pimp has been pimping two men that are warriors. There's manners, there's tones, there's all the like gentle interactions. Like every there's honor because everyone who actually engages in violence, we we understand that like you must, it's expensive. Yeah. So when you see like, and then even from different sides of the aisle, and I, I know you've seen it. Dudes could be different gangs. Dudes could be top and convict. Dudes could be freaking, you know, uh, Muj, Hadid, Marine. Like we, actual warriors, actually, are very sensitive and respectful to each other. 
because they know that literally today people could die over the world yeah. or anything. <laughs> it's like it's like it's a cake. A, it's mutual about destruction. Yeah. And that's true. And that's 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 why that's why prison operates the way that it does. That's why there's not war all the time. Right. You know, because because there's a uh and I've never been to the West Coast and that's a whole different deal. Like those guys over there deal with shit. I'm not even claiming to have mm-hmm. that experience, right? <clears throat> but the politics the politics are based on a respect of the potential for violence, right? Yep, 100%. We'll destroy everybody's lives here. Like yep. the, the, nothing, your, your, your businesses you're running will get destroyed. Your money will get disrupted. You, your, your people will die. You know, like, do we need to do this now, right? Okay. Can we maintain a, a certain level of like, all right, don't fuck with me. I won't fuck with you. Right. And that's That's more of what's, prevalent on the streets if you run a rougher circle stuff like that that's exactly what you're going to deal with is that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and sometimes people cross those lines especially when you start involving drugs and alcohol and stuff like that but for the most part you know real recognizes real and and when you do stuff like what some of these people do of constantly boasting and constantly training and constantly the only thing you talk about all day is violence and shooting. And the only thing you talk about all day is just, you know, training and, and, and getting into violent confrontation. And that's all you're like one dimensional person. Yeah. Um, I know you're there's not something wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know that you're not acquainted with it. Man. Yeah. Like you're, you're, there's something not right there. Yeah. Like you, you know, and I get a lot of people that will find my book and they'll find me on social media and they're like, wow, you're not like what I thought you'd be. I'm like, why? Because I'm a normal fucking guy and I work on motorcycles and ride bikes and build shit. What? You think I was going to have a social media of nothing but fucking shooting and violence? Like, right. you know, like, the, li- listen here, let me give you your first lesson. Like, it's life is not one dimensional. And if you're right. acting one dimensional, you're not being truly functional. You're not really participating. Well, your ego is you're making an identity out of something that you're worshiping. Like, you know, and, and, and we saw it all the time in the Marine Corps. Like you got guys that are combat vets want nothing to do with Marine. You couldn't tell they're Marines. They wouldn't tell you. Yeah. A lot of the guys that I know that have done a lot of things in a lot of different operations, just, you couldn't tell. They just want to be normal. They just want to have a drink. Like they just want to hang out, you know? And then the guys that, you know, are combat, you know, printer repairman is wearing like red and gold every day. And like got the haircut. You're like, this, this guy doesn't even, you know, um so i i see it too man the ego is is a wild thing you know and and good force on force training adds some gravity but yeah man no that's good stuff real quick as we wind this thing down i think i gotta probably bounce in the next 10 let's see here uh i always like to hit hardest lesson you learned on your journey and then we'll go into your proudest moment we'll talk about the book those are those are tough questions man right (laughs) (laughs) not fast questions but we gotta get Uh, it damn dude um yeah let me sum up 48 years of experience in a fucking <laughs> sentence for you <laughs> right you know, what I, was- don't know I think the hardest lesson was that the hardest lesson i had to learn was just the importance of self-control mm. that's you know that's what kept me from i mean because i participated in a lot of really you know extreme violence man and yeah i've been involved in multiple stabbings i've been stabbed you know, and cut multiple times. Uh, I've been, you know, I've been involved in, in gunplay. Mm-hmm. I've had situations happen around me where people, you know, 
were murdered naked. Um, yeah. And I've suffered like, and this is what I really want to drive home to people. If nothing else out of this podcast, you get, Heck yeah. you know, violence ruined my life in multiple ways. And I've suffered. I suffer to this day. Not only have I suffered because of being a felon and being all these things, which I still suffer. I just got turned down to a school I wanted to go to last year because I was a felon, you know, and this is 28 years later and I can walk into a store and buy, you know, I can, I can buy a fucking machine gun, wow. but I can't go work on, you know, I can't go learn how to work on, you know, fucking mechanics. Right. So, um, there's a lot of suffering involved with violence and it's not just if you get convicted, you know, a lot of the guys I know, a lot of the guys that you worship that you go to classes and stuff that I've spent time with at the mm -hmm. bar or at the back room in Vegas, you know, few like shot in, show or something, seeing, seeing how much they actually suffer, yeah. how much, how it hits them sometimes. And they got to get their, their wives like have to get them under control and pull them back together. Cause they're fucking flashing back and they're, yeah. you know, and they're, or they're thinking about, you know, or somebody's pissed them off because they said something stupid about dying and death and violence that mm. they don't know anything about. Yeah. And this person, you know, was in Iraq or Afghanistan watching little boys getting raped and fucking, yeah. you know, villagers getting murdered and shit. So, like, this kind of thing is is very, very damaging. And so when you're running around and you're one-dimensional and you're glorifying violence, you're glorifying all this shit, you look like a fucking idiot. Yeah, get them. <laughs> yes. You know, to people who have really suffered because of this stuff. And and if you've committed a lot of violence and, and you don't suffer, uh, well, good for you. You're probably a sociopath. But um, you know, for the average person that's that's gonna experience these things, there's gonna be a price to pay. There's gonna be yeah. a price to pay no matter how on top you come out in the situation. Yeah. So, you know, understand that that's you know, that's the thing that drove my biggest lesson about self-control is that, you know, a lack of self-control leads to suffering. Yeah. And, and that doesn't matter how, how satisfying it is because it's satisfying. Right. To put somebody's lights out, man. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can tell you when Validate. I was soaked in someone's blood, soaked mm -hmm. from nipples to toes in, in another man's blood and watching the light go out of his eyes after what after after the affronts that he had committed on me there's there's not a more satisfying moment than that mm -hmm. you know and so you understand that that but but then the price you pay for the rest of your life for that moment right, right. is is fucking deep you yeah. know and so so without <clears throat> self-control once you gain the ability to do these things, once you gain the ability to act on these things and you, you, you find this within yourself, the most important element after that point is going to be self-control because you're going to be out there somewhere and someone's going to piss you off and you're going to think I could fucking kill you right now. Yep. You know, I could fucking kill you. I had a gangster pull up next to me on the road one night. I was coming back from something, you know, real late. And dude, yep. I went around dude too fast. He pulls up. He rolls up, he rolls his window down. You got a fucking problem because I'll be your problem. And I'm thinking to myself, bro, I will turn that fucking Challenger RT into a coffin right here in the middle of the fucking street. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Understand. I'm, I'm rolling with a fucking 33-round clip in my fucking shit, bitch. Extendo, <laughs> motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. Listen, I'm talking his language, right? Yeah. I understand it's a magazine, right? Like, <laughs> now, you know what I'm saying though like, yeah, yeah, fine. Just I'm um, saying I, I speak this language motherfucker let's do this you know like yeah. but 
that you can't do. You can't just jump into everything. You you mm-hmm. once you gain the capabilities, once you learn how to do this, once you start to be confident, then your problem is going to be self control. I'm telling you. Yep. You know, and that's the biggest lesson, man. That's the biggest lesson. That's huge, man. Power without a purpose is a problem, man. And I that's one of the biggest equations I had to solve when I got out of the Marine Corps was just like, dude, like, you know, I just integrating with a civilian public that doesn't have a code, that doesn't they do whatever they want. Like they're, you know, you're like, dude, the things I've done for less for less disrespect, like the things that I just got back from doing and like like getting blown up and like the things that we did, like. I'm supposed to just be cool, like with you right now. And like the, yeah. So I had to, I had to cross that journey too. And I, I had to start working that horse, man. And what I did was I just started really, really one learning and going on a, a journey about it and getting into a lot of self-help stuff, but also just training, man, and hitting the weights and working that beast out so that he has an outlet. You know, that was kind of my, 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 my therapy was, you know, hitting the steel and, and working that thing out of, and I still do every morning. I'm still going to therapy, you know, because one moment, if I let that part of me off the leash at the wrong moment, change, you can change our life. And, and it's, it has to be, I don't think it ever goes away. It has to be managed. It's always got to be managed, you know, because one moment of indiscretion, everything's different in multiple areas of life, (laughs) you know? So I dig it, man. I respect that proudest moment you've had, man on this journey i don't know it that's a tough one i don't i don't really you know i'm probably more self-effacing than prideful so uh but you know jokingly it would be the 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 time i bought a porta potty i was pretty proud of that what <laughs> so I opened, it's not like this, man. <laughs> I opened a range i opened yeah. my own range after a while, I had I had a range in Ohio. It was a beautiful range. I had 100 yards by 30 yards of L-shaped yeah. Beautiful place. And I remember I finally got it built. And it fucking took like a year or two to build this range. And I got it done. And I was running classes. like in a, And I bought a porta potty and had it delivered. Yeah. And I swear, I was like a 1950s dad and pulling up his britches <laughs> in his driveway looking at his new Chevy, you know? As I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. see that porta potty there? <laughs> right. I've made it, yeah, yeah. but it's symbolic of the range and building the range, but it's so it's just accomplishments. There's been a lot of proud moments. I don't think there's yeah. one. Uh, I think that, you know, being, being a father to my daughters and um, seeing my, you know, my, my daughter's accomplishments make me more proud than anything I've done, you know, and things okay. like that. So, so it's a, uh, it's a collection of, of experiences. I, I, I just try to seek, you know, victories. Heck yeah. and, uh, and that's that's you know be proud of each one to a certain yeah. extent but not yeah. rest on it at all yeah not rest on it that's huge and not become a once upon a time guy and be present with the victories that you're continually having because you're continuing to apply yourself man yeah i dig it that's a way of life one two more questions one well, uh, maybe three uh one habit you think that people should look at that makes them a better person or better protector you know, I think most people would say discipline. I don't know if you can call discipline a habit. <clears throat> it, it should be for, for some people, but I think that something resembling that is just uh, being, having a clarity of mission yeah, um, and continually putting yourself back on the path for that. That's, that should be a habit. So, so you understand your mission in life, what you're, 
what your sole purpose is, you know, that, that your clarity and mission, that could be your, your, your family, whatever it is for you. And, and the habit should be to constantly be putting yourself back within those guardrails, uh, those guidelines, right? That's, that's the biggest mm -hmm. habit I think you should have is, is having clarity and mission and maintaining it. Yeah, no, I think that's, dude, I mean, that that's, that's like it, <laughs> you know, like no matter what happens, man, freaking staying on that path and you'll have multiple little purposes and multiple things like, oh, I'm going to get my range next and oh, I'm going to, but like staying on that path, man, I think, especially for a man, everything else can, will come to you, you know, friends, girlfriends, whatever it'll come and go. But if you're on mission, you're freaking, you're, you're doing it. Cause that'll make you become the person you need to be. That'll everything comes out of that. Yep. You know, and that mission is how we serve the world and the people in our inner circles, man. That's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then finally, how do you want to be remembered, man? What's it all for at the end of the day? You know, I genuinely just want to help people. And I, you know, I catch I catch a little bit of hate out there, um, mm -hmm. which I thoroughly don't really care about. Right. Yeah. Now. Um and I don't really care about the fame either. I don't care about the, you know, being popular. Um, if I, if I could, none of you motherfuckers would know anything about me. I'd be, <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I know it. If I ever get independently wealthy, I'm ghosting all of you motherfuckers. I'm just letting you know. Homie, um, that was always the plan. I see all these, dude, like, it's so funny because I'm like sitting here and I'm like, y'all just trying to be popular. All I'm trying to do is just be off grid. Like give yeah, me a yeah. signal in the middle of the jungle and that's it. And that's it. <laughs> that's but, a the, but the true, the true purpose though, even if I was off grid, you know, uh, I still want to produce things that help people. And as I'm, yeah. as I'm growing now more, uh, it, you know, I've done a lot of work in the, in the training community and the violence community. I think that um, I'm going to, you know, keep progressing in a, in a manner towards, um, helping people in different ways, more with adversity and dealing with, you know, um, yeah. hard, uh, hard beginnings and yeah. overcoming hard beginnings and things like that. That's kind of more of my focus now. Yeah. Um, I, I still train, I actually offer a program here in Daytona where people can come and stay with me in Daytona and I will train you from, from sunup until bedtime every day. You can stay with me for a week, you know, up to two weeks if you want to. Um, and I have, uh, I have a full training program where we, we've got, I've got a range here. So we do range work. Uh, I I'm into striking, you know, I box and, and I'm, I'm a striker. So uh, I will take you through striking and teach you striking conditioning and how to set yourself up and get, you know, get, get into, get into good cardio and, and stamina, but also have a, have a hard skill, you know, um, and resistance training. I'm, I've been a barbell coach you know, I've been coaching barbell for 28 years. I've been a certified wow. coach for 18 years. Um, and I have a program that I run online where if you want to, you know, want me to do your programming, stuff like that, I got different tiers for that. But if you come here to train with me here, I take you through in person. I got a full gym in my backyard is, is a complete gym. I'm in Florida, so we can train outside as long as it's not raining, we can train. Right. Um, and then, you know, I've got, uh, I've got other topics that I will teach and guys are really interested in this kind of stuff too, where, uh, if you want to learn how to MIG weld or TIG weld, I've got a shop here on the premises. Like I teach you how to weld, I teach mm -hmm. you how to, um, 
you know, work with metal, cut metal, put things together. I work, uh, I work on bikes and, you know, I build motorcycles and things like that. So if you want to learn some type, I got some kind of mechanic project going on, like any kind of a mechanical hard skill you want to learn. Or if you come here and you say, I want to build a, you know, I want to build something. I never built anything out of wood. Like I yeah. built multiple things here. You know, I built my shed, I built my platform, I lift on. So I show you, you know, that. So we cover the whole gamut. And then in the meantime, between all those, and then at night, we have like uh we can have like cigar and whiskey time talk, have you know, deep mindset talks, deep, you know, orientation talks, you know, yeah. and to get an opportunity to ask whatever. And that's the kind of stuff I'm really enjoying right now is working with people one on one. Wow. Um and it's uh it's been fun. It's been fun. I've had a couple of people show up already. Now it's Florida, it's summer, nobody's fucking coming. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> But my fall is getting booked up pretty big. So if you want to yeah. get in with me fall, you need to you need to let me know soon because the, the, it's starting to book up pretty pretty heavy. So fall through spring is a great time to to be in Florida because the out. weather's really nice. Um, you know, so but that's fun, and I, I I really like helping people. And a lot of times I find people come, you know, guys especially they'll come and they they want they begin wanting tactical you know or or guns or you know things like that. Yep. But in reality, what it really ends up being is they just, they, they need some guidance of just like navigating, uh, being a man in this world. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard. This is a hard time and we're in trouble. I don't know where you and your audience are on these topics, but I'm going to tell you right Full now. Stand, bro. Your weapons yeah. free. This, this is a rogue government. We are occupied. Yeah. We are being destroyed from within. This from is within. a this is a, a massive destabilization operation yep. that's yep. run on the U.S. Our media is basically North Korea style media. They don't tell yep. us what's really happening in the world. They tell yep. other people hate us for shit that's not really happening. Like right. the whole messaging system is every, everything is we're we're super fucked. They've turned our own women against us. They've turned all of us against each other. Yep, you know so navigating this world right now is tough, man. And a lot of people are just trying to live their lives and they don't understand that you walk outside and you don't know who's your enemy and who's going to attack you for what, like, yeah. and, it, and people are so hostile towards each other because they're being, it's, they're being programmed to be that way. Yeah. The social engineering is dividing and conquering everyone. It's 100% orchestrated, man. 100. Yeah. And if you think anything else, you're just, you're out of touch. It is 100% orchestrated. And, uh, I find that a lot of guys today are just having trouble navigating in that environment. And I am too. So don't like, I, I find it probably harder than you. Cause I wake up some days and I'm like, I recognize it and I got to figure out what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah you're watching them do it slowly. Like you're watching them just like uh, you're watching them just lock everyone up, man. And it's painful. I've, I've been, I've been to prison and I'm telling you like, I know when somebody's running a game on like, me, man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. And you listen. I can't even watch these guys, man. Oh, bro, you are running game on me, man. So, yeah. so yeah, but that's what I'm into right now. Is that and if if anybody's interested, they can contact me and I'll give them, you know, the pricing. I I'll pick you up at the airport, bring you Heck here, yeah. take care of everything you need, take you back, like whatever you need, right? Um, and it's been a great experience, man. I, I really enjoy awesome. working with people close. I like the the deeper I get, the more closely I want to work with people. So the answer is, you know, I, I, I want to help people and yeah. I want to help them on a very personal level if I can. Yeah. And that's, that's my motivation. That's it. I, I don't care about anything else. I, I want to make enough money to live a good life. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but that's not, I don't, I'm not motivated by the money. Yeah. Awesome, man. That's meaningful stuff, man. I, this was such a good episode, man. Thank you so much, Varg. It's such an honor, man. You know, you're just, you're a real dude. You know, you're a real guy. You know, you've been around the block and all that. I just respect your experience and I respect what you've distilled out of it and what you're given to the world, you know? So I hope someday we can hang, train, shake hands, meet up at something. Uh, you know, I'd love to have you out to one of our symposiums or something at some point. I might bug you about see if I can't get you to come talk or something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> We'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, man. It'd be an honor. So much love and respect. And if you guys haven't, you guys got to get that violence of mind. And then you have a second book beyond. Beyond Uda. Yep. Beyond Uda. Okay. All right. I got to bounce. Otherwise we get into it. Anyways, much love and respect, my man. Thanks so much for coming out, bro. Right. Thank you, man. Heck yeah. Boom. Boom. Quick shout out to our sponsor, Staccato. My first pistol sponsor. Um, I've been sponsored by a lot of companies right over the years, but when it comes to pistol, that's my bread and butter. Pistol is something I believe in. You know, I'm a competitive shooter. You know, we're shooting anywhere from, you know, 800 rounds a month type of thing, right? So Staccato being what I believe is one of, if not the most complete handguns you can put in your hand. Um, it's got every component that a handgun could have, should have. Uh, they're actually extremely dependable now that they've made some changes. And these things are straight up tack drivers. If you're looking for a pistol that will do as much of the work for you as a piece of hardware can, obviously you have to have the, the, the marksmanship and all the different things, but different guns perform at different levels. And I wanna say that Staccato is one of, by far for sure, take it from a competitive shooter, we're shooting the highest volumes of rounds constantly right now, not used to have a background guy, but like right now, when you go shoot, you're gonna see certain brands Staccato is one of, if not the highest performing firearm that is both CCW, duty ready, and also competitive ready. So I wanna give them a shout out if you guys are looking for a good handgun to build your skills on top of, go check out Staccato. Much love and respect. Boom, yo, what up? I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Hey, listen, in order to get more out of the brand, I wanna encourage you to go join us on our social media platforms and join us at protectornation.com. We post different types of content on our different platforms at different times. Uh, you'll get blog posts, you'll get videos, you'll get real world combat engagements and things like that. So stay plugged in in order to get the most out of the brand. In order to support us, also go to protectornation.com and buy something or join forces with me on Patreon. You'll scroll down the homepage and you'll see the link. Uh, anything you can give counts, you know, think about whatever you would lose in your cushions or like spend on McDonald's this month, five bucks a month, whatever it is. Uh, that helps, that helps us make the world a better place by making good people dangerous. Anyways, this is Byron Rogers, protector by nature and by trade. And I'll see you on the next piece of content, whether it's a video or podcast out.